This is games in schools and libraries. The podcast about board, card and digital games and the ways in which they can find a place in schools or at the local library. Hosting provided by the Games for Educators website www.g4ed.com G'day and welcome to the Games in Schools and Libraries podcast. My name's Giles Pritchard. I'm a teacher at St George's Road Primary School in Shepparton, Australia. I use games in my 3-4 classroom as well as for our games club, our games days and many other purposes. You can find me on my blog, castlebymoonlight.blogspot.com or on Twitter as P. And I'm Donald Dennis from the Georgetown County Library System in Georgetown County, South Carolina. And uh, you can find me all over the internet as uh, Walsfeo, that's W-A-L-S-F-E-O, or at uh, Twitter as Onboard Games, because I have a podcast for uh, board games called Onboard Games, where Giles has joined us on occasion. And uh, mighty fine episodes those were too, Don, I might add. (laughs) Yes, yes indeed. So thank you very much for uh, setting up another one of these episodes. It's, uh, we're just past uh, the holidays here, and so I guess probably they'll be hearing this sometime around July. And that is the way <laughs> we're going with our recording schedule. Yeah, it's a, they certainly will. And uh, fortunately, what I really like, Giles, is that we're recording ahead instead of recording and waiting just because, uh, well, like some podcasts will be forever between episodes because folks are busy, and uh, you've done a great job of keeping us regular. You're like the fiber of podcasting. Good man. <laughs> well, I've been a little bit irregular over the Christmas break, um, which, uh, again, if you're listening to this, is probably about four months ago, given our release schedule. But um, no, we'll all be back up and running. Wonderful. So what have you been playing or what, what would we like to talk to our, uh, our listeners about today? As we're recording this, we're in our summer break over here, and that's about a uh, five, six-week uh, holiday break over the Christmas period, and so we uh, wound the term to a close at the end of uh, 2012. We played uh, a few games and things like that, but nothing really too much to speak of. And of course, you know, we're looking forward and uh, planning for 2013 when we get back at the end of um, January. So, looking forward to that. Um, this episode, Don, I thought it would be a great idea to talk about something we haven't discussed so far. And that is word and spelling games. Well, I, uh, I'm i not a very good speller. <laughs> I'm sorry. Spelling is not my strong suit, but <laughs> I love playing with words. So let's do that. Sounds excellent. So, Don, um, in, as far as I'm concerned, I think spelling games really, you know, there are an awful lot of them out there. They seem to be a very popular uh, genre or, or topic of game. Um, and the most famous, of course, are uh, titles like Scrabble and uh, Upwords. If you play on um, you know, your phone, of course, there are variations and knockoffs of those as well, and on uh, Facebook as well. So you know, there, there, word games seem to be a really popular genre of uh, game. 
And as far as I'm concerned as a teacher, really uh, spelling games cover or word games really cover a variety of different uh, topics. So first of all, uh, dyed-in-the-wool spelling games where this is the games like Scrabble, uh, like up words where you are actually making words. You've got to spell those words. You might put them out on a board. You might make them out of cards. But the, the objective of the game is to spell words and in so doing you usually score points and uh, then, you know, hopefully win the game. Um, right. There are other types of games, though, that are to do with spelling. Um, there are games to do with word building. There are games to do with um, definitions of words, building sentences. And then there's also the stuff like uh, word association, word types, and, of course, um, just general vocab building. Absolutely. Um, and you know, what, what I find interesting is that you've got these tools that, that everyone are using in these games, you know, and it's just the letters of the alphabet and uh, one way or the other, you're kind of hammering them or the game designers have hammered them into a vehicle where kids can be learning or, you know, expressing their knowledge one way or the other. So it's almost like a trivia game in some facets. And in the other, it's, it's a way for them to acquire new knowledge whether they you know wanted to or planned on it or not when they sat down at the table. And so that's a pretty neat neat thing because once again, where you give value to something, it makes it easier for people to learn and for it to latch on into their brains. And that's that's one of the big benefits of vocabulary, word spelling, uh, the, this kind of game. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And I think, you know, it's again, it's that couching, um, a, a run-of-the-mill, dull, um, can be repetitive or boring activity into a, into a game package can make at least that activity less dull, a bit more engaging. Um, and, and the important, you know, an important part of it is you can also have a sense of accomplishment where you're scoring points or getting better or, or whatever it might be. I think, though, particularly with with spelling games, one of the pitfalls that, that really concerns me at times is the fact that sometimes in spelling games, it's a, it's a case of the rich get richer. Um, and what I mean by that is in games like Scrabble and like uh, Upwords and, and others that I can, that, you know, we can talk about, the kids, and I'm, I am talking about younger kids here, so there are big range of spelling abilities. You know, some kids find it very difficult. They, they're not really associating, you know, graphemes and phonemes. They're not really um, got, got that understanding of language, that knowledge of language to be able to um, spell properly. And other kids are very capable. So that great differential, the great difference a range of ability can mean that, you know, some kids are really very, very good at it, and this is blindingly obvious, you know, that skill that they have, that knowledge that they have is starkly obvious to all players. And those kids that struggle, again, that fact that they struggle is starkly obvious to all of the players, and it can be something that can be a little bit confronting for kids who aren't confident spellers. And so when when thinking about which sorts of games that I, that I want to use in my classroom, I'm thinking about the different kids that I've got um, and, and the context in which they're playing those games, because there are some games where the, um, the spelling aspect, whether it might be a team spelling or a group spelling game, a little bit like uh, Word on the Street is a great one. In this game you've got a, a street with the alphabet lined up on it 
and uh, the, the t- each team, there are two teams, each team comes up with a, bun- a bunch of words on a particular topic, so it might be something like uh, hamburger toppings, and they come up with as many words as they can that are hamburger toppings, and then they pick one of them, and then all of the letters of that word then are moved one step closer to their side of the street, and you've got this sort of tug of war with all of the letters um, on the board. And that, that can be a really good game because... It allows these kids to participate in a spelling game, but it's less confrontational for them because their 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 particular area of uh, weakness, you know, they might not be as strong or as confident. It's not blindingly obvious. You're not they're not out there failing in front of everybody else. And and you know, we don't. I, I hate putting kids in that sort of situation. I, I think you're absolutely correct when you when you're dealing with. With kids, uh, particularly, do we use kids or youth? What's our official way do we describe these people that we're talking about? I alternate between students and kids. <laughs> okay. All right. You can say students. I'll say patrons, and we'll meet in the middle at kids. All right. So uh, when dealing with patrons or students that uh, that have you know a wide variety of language skills, that, yes, if you can have teams – that's a great way to deal with limited supplies. On the other hand, in some cases, you might be just as well off if you can afford five or six copies and then you could, you know, break up the group by grade, you know, how well they're doing in the class or, or how things. But once again, kids are pretty savvy and they might begin to suspect, hey, this is the great spelling group. Um, I don't want to compete as well. I want to be in a lower group or look, we're the good group and that is the bad group. So that you're always running into danger when you, when you try and divide kids up based on any kind of criteria, especially skill level. Yeah, there's no secrets with that sort of stuff. I mean, kids are, you know, just like anybody, you know, we are all aware of the areas where we're not as strong, where we're not as confident. We're all aware of the areas where we feel much more relaxed and comfortable, you know, and, and it would be a mistake to assume that kids are not self-aware enough to, to, to know that. They do. Um, and, and, you know, they know. Teacher doesn't need to be as blindingly obvious as saying this group is the cheaters and this group is the turtles. You know, um, as wrong as that might be, it doesn't need to be as obvious as that. Kids know what their rough ability level is and they know when groups get split up um, that that's a case. I don't think there's anything wrong with doing that um, as long as, you know, you, that the objective is clear that really, you know, you, you're in a race to better yourself. It's not really about where you sit and what group and, and compared to others. But, you know, I, I just... With spelling games particularly, uh, and it might be the same with pure maths games as well, that that real if if there are kids with a real deficit in their ability to spell or that are behind their peers in in that particular um, that particular knowledge if they suffer from some sort of you know dysgraphia or dyslexia or or whatever it might be then you know that that can really be something that that can be com- confrontational for them when they have to play the game I guess that was my concern but you know spelling games are a great addition to the classroom in terms of you know, purely getting the kids to deal with words, to break them up and to look at what letters form the sounds that they hear in the words. Don, have you got any pure spelling games that you think are really well worth recommending? Well, it's it's interesting. Uh, we sometimes have kids come into the library and, like, they're waiting on their turn to get on the video games or, uh, you know, whatever it is, whatever activity is going on. And so uh, occasionally what I'll do is I'll print out a batch of hangman 
style things or uh, or word search games. And so maybe I'll have a couple of them play Hangman against each other, which is kind of a neat uh, a neat little game. And so we'll we'll have word search games or or something along those lines where uh, the players are just able to you know do stuff by themselves while they're waiting on their time. And that's just sort of like a, uh, you know, a very basic grammar familiarization thing. And it might be, here's a list of words on the side. And so I have some of those that are printed out based on what their, what their educational level is supposed to be, or if they know what their reading level actually is, um, then I'll let them pick one that's, that's appropriate, uh, because we'll have kids come in and then they'll not know how bad they are compared to their supposed grade level. And we do have a fairly strong literacy problem here in Georgetown County. So that's something that I just, I use saying, okay, we'll do this. And it's also something I'll use as a way because, uh, people who aren't doing very well in school have to earn their time to come in and play video games. Uh, you know, they have to be getting, you know, at least a C average. And I don't know what your grade scale is, but you know, C is considered, uh, you know, average passing. And then there's D, which is not quite failing and below that's F, but if they're getting D's or F's, they're not allowed to come in and play video games unless they are in their time. And usually it's read, but occasionally we'll use word games as a way to sort of help bolster their uh, their ability to come in and play. And so it's a game-like activity that doesn't chase them away. Like, here, put your nose in this book um, and read for half an hour. <laughs> Here's a copy of The Great Gatsby. Come back to me in an hour. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, and so that, that's kind of how we use games as a tool in, in the game room. Yeah, speaking of um, word searches and things like that, they're fantastic, um, you know, sort of activities that kids can do on their own. Um, something similar to that is I love getting, you know, just giving out grid paper and getting the kids to make their own word searches and then, um, you know, photocopy copies of those for other kids in the class to use. So, you know, that building the, um, building the puzzle themselves is also, you know, a fantastic spelling activity. What about some other pure or dyed-in-the-wool spelling games? I sort of mentioned Word on the Street Junior earlier. Um, you know, we've, we've mentioned the words Scrabble and Upwords, and, and those are the games probably in this category that need no introduction. Well, I've never played Scrabble. This is, you know, my confession on this show is that, yes, I'm a librarian, and I have never played Scrabble. At this point, it's <laughs> kind of a point of pride for me. Uh, I've played so many other word games, but... Uh, Whenever I say to my fellow librarians, Scrabble, oh, I've never played that. And they go, I thought you liked games, as if Scrabble is the only word game that there is. <laughs> that is uh, very often the case. Well, what about uh, what other word games have you played, Don? What, other, what are some other good ones? My favorite is Letter Roll from Out of the Box Publishing. And with that game, it comes with a bunch of big 20-sided dice with letters you know, spread around them. And players are going to roll the dice... And one of them will get removed. And then sort of in the beyond balderdash fashion, everybody is going to write down a list of words that have those letters in them. And then you go through everyone, you know, someone will call out the letters on their list. Everybody writes out, marks off the ones that are duplicates. And that goes sort of around the board. And then however many unique words you have are going to be the ones that, um, that you get, uh, you get credit for. So I may have written down 30 words, but if 20 of them are words that everybody else wrote down, I'm going to get 10 points or that anybody else wrote down. I'm going to get 10 points. And I just, I really like this. It's a fun, uh, you know, spelling game because you're trying to figure out spelling of words that match the dice roll. 
um, and you will learn words that you never knew. And people will look up words and go, well, wait, wait a minute. That's not a real word. And, and so it's a fun exploratory word game. Yeah, sounds good. Um, another one, I suppose, in the same vein as a, a dice letter style game is uh, an old one, but a good one called Boggle. Um, I would never, ever use this in the classroom because it sounds sort of like a machine gun going off when it's um, when the dice are all being rattled inside the plastic box. Um, but basically, you've got a grid of 4x4 uh, four four grid. Dice fit within that grid. You put the lid on, shake the dice around, um, take the lid off. All the dice are settled into the into the tray, and then you just build up connections of words, um, for, you know, letter to letter. A, a really great little spelling game that one. That's really cool. Um, you know, for for randomizing stuff in games, you know, dice seems to be uh, fairly popular, which is confusing to me because most dice only have like six sides. Uh, unless you get the specialty ones, like I mentioned in Letter Roll. Uh, one of the weirdest games that use dice and vocabulary, it's called Vocabulary, and they have these huge styrene dice, well, fairly big, you, and you roll them, and you put them in front of you underneath a cover, and you organize whatever the face-up letters are, um, or, or, or word fragments are, and you put them together to be the word that matches somebody else's definition. So it might be like a medication to prevent you from falling asleep. Or it might be uh, a dance move or whatever it is. And you're going to assemble these word fragments into a word. And I find that there aren't really enough dice in the box for people to grab varieties where you're going to keep uh, people interested in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you've got you know like a short period and you're having the kids play with words to get them excited with words it's a good fast game that you can you know kind of get them to participate in and there are a couple of expansions so you can get additional dice to put into the mix of dice um by and large it's not one of my favorite games but the kids seem to enjoy it uh, the problem is that uh, some of our younger patrons have creative minds and they would see some of the words that other people would put out and they would start giggling as if it were a naughty word. And, you know, you may want to avoid it or, you know, just, just kind of police what's going on when you're playing this game. I think anytime you get a bunch of um, letter tiles or dice down together, there's always going to be those kids that um, go to spell their favorite four letter, five letter, six letter words um, and giggle and point. Right, right. And, you know, if they're having fun with language and they're not being, you know, racially insensitive or they're not picking on people, because I, I we were playing Bananagrams, which is uh, one of the most popular word games in our library system. Our uh, children's librarian uses it, uh, that we'd have some of the kids playing and they would be, you know, spelling out words about other people at the table, because if they were not getting along, and they ended up, you know, at the table together, they might place words down that you'd say, you know, don't do that. I know you're just being mean. Hmm. Back, back away from the table. So you just sort of have to be aware because kids will take their, you know, throw their punches wherever they need to, uh, you know, if they're not getting along with people. Yeah. I suppose another one, you know, you mentioned Bananagrams is a great one. You've got a bunch of letter tiles like Scrabble and then you're putting them together. It's sort of like a crossword, building you know, building up your crossword um, using all your different letter tiles. Really neat game, that one. All right. Um, if you're on a budget but you have access to a photocopier, um, you know, you can easily pair people up for Hangman. 
Um, I'm, as I sort of mentioned before, it's the game where you're drawing a picture and you could change the picture so that it's not a hanged person if that's an issue. Uh, but where it's kind of like playing horse or whatever in basketball, but with words, you're saying you're trying to draw this picture. And if your picture gets completed first, uh, either you win or lose the game, whether it's a, whenever you get a letter, right, you get to add to the picture or whenever you get a letter wrong, you get to add to the picture. Um, and so that's a, that's a great one for a budget because a lot of these games, uh, require components and very specific sets of components. If you start losing, like if you lose tiles from word on the street, you can make your own and it's not going to affect the game too terribly much. But if you lose like all the vowels from bananagrams, you're pretty hosed because people will not be able to make any words and you can't exactly replace those tiles on your own. Yeah. So we've talked a fair bit about uh, spelling games. What about other types of games? Um, Oh, okay. Well, before we get out of spelling games, I've got a couple of card games I'd like to throw out really quick. Um, um, There's a game called PDQ, or the Pretty Darn Quick Word Game from Game Right Games. And in that game, you'll be flipping over cards, and when you've got three cards flipped out, uh, they've all got letters on them. And whoever can first come up with a word that has those three letters on them in that order, so the first card has to be before the middle card, and the last card has to be the last card in that word, that you can take those cards. And I found that when we were playing with our group, if you just said, if you can come up with a word that has those three letters in them, especially when we were playing it with our younger patrons, it makes the game a lot easier. You don't have to worry about the word order, which sort of brings me to um, another game, Upwards, where you are going to be playing out a whole bunch of different cards uh, that have that have letters on them. And you know when you see any word that has all of those letters or any word that you can make out of those letters... Then you can take then you can take those letters. So you know there might be twenty cards down on the table, and you finally see a word, and you can grab it, and you can and you can make those cards your own. Both of them decks of cards, very fast to play, probably better with small groups. Um, but uh, you could easily, if you had a uh, some type of way to project the the cards on the wall, or have someone showing them or saying them off, you could have the kids just writing down words that match these things on a sheet of paper. Um, and so it'd be more suitable for classroom use. Yeah. Yeah, quick, um, just to, moving along from um, dyed-in-the-wool spelling games, um, so something else that, that is sometimes a useful game, a word-building game, um, particularly uh, for compound words, is a game called The Chain Game, and I believe this is by Out of the Box as well. Um, and in this game, you're starting with um, a card that has got... Uh, a compound word on it, let's say highway, and then the player to, you know, the right then needs to uh, say a compound word that includes either high or way. So in that in that way, the, the game progresses around the circle until someone can't think of a compound word that, that uses one or other of the, um, the words that make that compound word, and then they lose a link from their chain. And it's a sort of a last-person standing um, scoring system. But the whole, the whole system of building you know, the compound words is, is a neat little thing. Gotcha. So it's like the word game where if I say a word that begins with, um, with or that ends with a D, then you have to say a word that then begins with a D. And so yeah. forth and so on. That's pretty cool. Uh, 
I, I, uh, what was the name of that game again? The Chain Game. So speaking of word association games, are there any others um, that sort of fit that, that, you know, word types, word associations, Don? I guess if you want to do definitions, um, Balderdash or Beyond Balderdash has, you know, one of the activities in it. And I'm not sure if it's the whole game or not. It's just the one part of that game that I really remember where somebody will name a word and everybody has to write down a definition for that word. Um trying to convince everybody that that's what the word actually means. And that, uh, yeah, I think this is where I learned what, what a vomitorium was and it's not what I thought it was. Um, <laughs> and that basically it's a great way to have fun with vocabulary and say, Ooh, well, what could that word actually mean? And kids can sort of interpret, you know, the word. And I think you get extra points if you actually have the right definition or, yeah. or one that, that, that can be used that. And I think that that's a lot of fun because kids can either try and fool their friends if they don't know the name of, if they don't know what it actually means, or they can try and get points by getting the right definition. And so that's a lot of fun. Yeah, it sounds like a really good game, Boulder Dash. Yeah, very good. Um, what about building sentences? Uh, one that I've used in my classroom um, with fair regularity with one of my um, group rotations is a game called You've Been Sentenced. And in this, you've got a bunch of uh, pentagonal cards. And uh, on each sort of uh, side of the pentagonal card, you've got uh, different words or variations on a word. So you might have jump, jumped, jumping, uh, and so on and so on. Um, But the idea is out of your 10 cards, you build as long a sensible sentence as you can. And each player does this uh, at the same time while the time is running. When the time is up, everybody shows the uh, the sensible sentences that they've made. And if, you know, they are a sensible sentence, they're not just a collection of random words, then you score points for each of the words that you've used. So that can be a really uh, neat way to look at that whole concept of building sentences, um, using all the different words for meaning, um, it's just a really good, really good game where kids are playing with language. Well, I have to say that um, we've played that before at our library game night, and it's always gone over very well uh, for a wide age group of people. We've had adults playing it, kids playing it, and I was just surprised at how much fun was had with this game. But I have to step aside for a second and say that I understand why the cards are shaped the way they're shaped. Hmm. But the boxes are these large hexagons, and it is a nightmare to store. Yes. And it's just, it's very difficult. So we've just got a different box that we store it in. And it's (laughs) it's like a long cardboard tube, and we stack the cards all up into one group. And also, most of the time when I see people playing the game, they're not really following the rules. They're just making sentences out of words and trying to be as silly, yet not nonsensical as possible you know they're they're actual sentences that they're trying to make but they may not um you know they may not be realistic but they're a lot of fun so uh you know they're still playing with game with words and they're having fun with it and i consider that a win whether or not the actual rules to the game is being employed as mean as meant when it was being created yeah, and I think that's a that's a really good point, isn't it? I mean, the objective, um, you know, is really to be playing with language and to be having an enjoyable experience with language. And, you know, that's what uh, all of these games are about at their heart. And I think, you know, as long as people are doing that and, and, and everybody is being able to participate in, in, in a, at a similar level and that, you know, it's a, more power to them. 
Oh, we were talking word association games just a little bit about a little bit ago. And uh, one of the ones I forgot to mention was apples to apples. And, you know, it sounds like for anyone who's not familiar with apples to apples, um, you know, the basic concept is that one person is the judge and they mention um, they give some kind of descriptor. So they say like fuzzy or furry or smart or, you know, whatever it is. We'll just use those. And then the other people who have a handful of cards, which are objects, people, places, things that, uh, they will play those out, um, face down and then they get randomized. They're all flipped over. So the person who's the judge doesn't know who is who. And they pick which one of these things is the game or, I mean, is the one that wins that hand. So basically you're trying to associate words as it matches and as it is, uh, relevant to the person who is the judge. So, uh, one may be objectively more fuzzy than the other. It's like this one, you touch it, it is fuzzier or it's heavier or it's whatever it is. Um, but on the other hand, another card may have more meaning to the person who's the judge and the judge is never wrong. And so it's a great way for uh, people to learn sort of what the other perspective is while playing with language and words. And it's just like one of the simplest games ever made. But, um, you know, I, I recommend it very, very uh, very, very strongly just for that kind of activity. Yeah, I've got a couple of copies of this at school and, and I deliberately went and bought a version of the game called Apples to Apples Junior um, because it it's the, the, the words in there are um, more appropriate to a younger age group. Not that there's anything inappropriate in the in the full game, but there's also um, not as many, you know, celebrities and um, American footballers and and that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, it's not an adult version. It's just a a broader cultural reference that the kids might not have. Um, and by the same token, I understand that there are versions of apples to apples for other places in the world. So there might be you know, a UK version or something like that, which I haven't seen, but I saw them when they were compiling the cards, they were trying to do uh, varieties that were, you know, more doctor who referenced or whatever. Yeah. So I thought that was a lot of fun. And another one that just for kind of playing with vocabulary that I meant to mention earlier, and it's, it's a solo game or can be played as a group. And that's mad libs where it'll ask for an adverb or an adjective or a noun or somebody's name or whatever it is. And you don't know why. And basically there's a whole bunch of blanks and you fill those in. Then you write, write those into the sentence and you have to read the sentence with your random things filled into it. And so people will find this hilarious. And I, when I was a kid, I played this for hours and hours on car trips and it was just very entertaining to me. Uh, it sounds sounds like a lot of fun, Don. <laughs> well, it's it's very silly. What a misspent youth you've led. Yeah, it's it's a very silly game, but it is sort of help kids learn. Well, what's an adjective? Yeah, you know, what's a verb? What's an adverb? You know, and and so that for that thing alone, learning the parts of the language, it's very very exciting or very very fun rather. That sounds fantastic. Well, I think we've been talking long enough about spelling games. In any case. Um, if uh, we've missed any spelling games that are favourites of yours or categories or we have uh, maligned a game that you love or uh, not mentioned a game that perhaps we should have, feel free to contact us and you can contact us at schoolsandlibraries at gmail.com and uh, check out our website as well. There's information there on how to contact us. Uh, and that is gamesschoolslibraries.com. So, uh, yeah, until next time, this is uh, Giles Pritchard. And Donald Dennis. 
And you've been listening to Games in Schools and Libraries. Games in Schools and Libraries is kindly hosted by the Games for Educators website. You can find them at www.g4ed.com. You can subscribe to their newsletter, check out games through their game finder, and of course, it's the home of the Games in Schools and Libraries podcast. Drop by and post comments on the episodes. We love feedback. Games in Schools and Libraries is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. To view a copy of this license, visit our webpage at the Games for Educators website.